So how are we doing out of the sand so far this year? Is it still scaring us to death? Let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Data Access Golf, the podcast. Thank you for being here today. Yeah, I, I wanted to jump on and do a little podcast about playing out of the sand. Uh, we, we, we went out and played last week with uh, with the kids and my daughter got into a sand trap and uh, it's obvious that we hadn't uh, spent a lot of time in the sand traps for a while because um, I had a reminder of everything that we have to do in the sand trap and it got me thinking I know that we've talked about the sand and how important the sand is recently especially going into the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach um, there was a lot of talk because the greens are so small and it's really where I made a huge mistake in trying to determine who would win Pebble Beach just based on the data. I did not take into consideration the difficulty of getting up and down out of the sand and, uh, and how deft the, or how proficient the players were going in out of the sand. And as I was watching, I, again, the prediction, at least based on all the data and everything coming into it, looked at it as, as if Rory McIlroy with proximity to the hole, with his driving, uh, all of that, that he looked pretty good to go in and do very well at the U.S. Open. And it's not that he did poorly, per se, um, but he, he wasn't up at the top early on. And um, in the third round while I was watching, I just happened to catch that some of the commentators were talking about how, and you know, Justin Rose had been playing so well, um, that how well Justin Rose had been playing out of the sand. And that's where it kind of hit me that like, oh, shoot, I made a huge mistake here and not calculating in the sand at Pebble Beach, you know, what's wrong with me? I should have been aware of that and put it part and, you know, f- factored it in a little bit into our, our data that we put together and, and tried to come up with, a you know, a, a, an obvious leader going into Pebble Beach. But had I done that and looked at it, I think that uh, we would have changed the, it would have changed the prediction a little bit. So one of the things I wanted to do and go back and look at, and it was a little frustrating in that right after the U.S. Open got done, because it is a USGA event, we didn't really have access to the data very quickly. It took a while for it to get over on PGATour.com. But I've since been able to go back and look at it and some interesting stuff. Obviously, I remember the commentators talking about how strong Justin Rose had been out of the sand. And, you know, he got out to the quick start. And he was like 100% 4 for 4 out of the sand on Thursday. He was 3 for 4 out of the sand on Friday. He was 4 for 5 out of the sand on Saturday. I mean, just truly amazing. At, at one point, he, was, he got up and down out of the sand 11 of 13 times. So through the first three rounds, there you go. The final day, he was 0 for 4 out of the sand. Obviously lost lost by, what, six to Gary Woodland. But four of those shots were in the sand compared to what he had, been, he had done previously. Three or four shots, anyway. Uh, which can definitely send you in the opposite direction. Now, some of that had to do with his putter wasn't uh, acting as well as it had as well. But that's all part of, part of the sand game, right? Making sure you make the putt after you get out of the sand. And he did hit some nice sand shots, just missed the putt. But Rory McIlroy, in the third round 
was two for seven out of the sand. And so not taking into consideration Rory's play and proficiency out of the sand definitely probably gave him more of an advantage than it should have. So there you go. But anyway, I wanted to talk about sand play. Um, I had a comment come in. I, uh, when we go through our benchmarks, we always talk about getting up and out of, out of the sand. Our benchmark for sand play is 45%. So we want to be getting up and out of the sand, you know, 45, 50% of the time. That would be our benchmark. If we're less than that, then we need to, to take some time to work on our sand game. And um, obviously, Rory was quite a bit below that at this time. And, and in the third round, um, Justin Rose was quite a bit above that. Um, but anyway, going back into that, when I talk about the benchmarks, I mention in there, I, I do occasionally anyway, that I did have a sand, a sand lesson from one Tony Finau once uh, one day. He was kind enough to spend some time with me in the sand and show me how he hits his sand shots. And and that's the cool thing about, I think, sand play. So if, if any of us struggle out of the sand, hopefully this will be a helpful episode. First and foremost, it's important to remember that there are a variety of different ways to get out of the sand. And so when Tony Finau was showing me the way he got out of the sand, it was quite a bit different than the way I was, the technique I was using to get out of the sand. And so I tried Tony's technique for a while I didn't care. I didn't really care for it, but a couple of things that he said to me during that time helped me immensely. Um, one of the coolest things that Tony Finau said to me that he had gotten from his coach, who shall remain nameless at the time, because uh, I don't believe that he is a very good coach, and we don't want to disparage anybody. But anyway, so um, but one of the things that he was told is that you wanted to create some of the questions we have is how hard do you hit these you know, these sand shots to try to get them to land somewhere near the hole. And what Tony was told was that you needed to generate enough velocity in your swing to kind of picture the sand that you hit getting all the way to the hole. That's how you sort of gauge how hard to enter the sand. I actually used that for quite some time. It was very helpful to me. Now, the problem then becomes, uh, depending on the technique you use, you may or may not, that may or may not be the right amount of velocity you want entering into the sand. And so I wanted to jump and talk about a few of the different techniques available out there. But the one that I have found to be most, let's see, the, the one that I found to work most often for me with as little the amount of practice as I can has been one particular technique. And so I'll go ahead and share that as we go along this way and hopefully it becomes helpful to you as well because it it makes things it sort of simplifies things and that's the really cool thing about um, extraordinary golf and Fred Shoemaker is Fred has shown us a, a myriad of different ways to hit sand shots um, and again it goes back to this whole concept of you know whatever you work on and and and, and you make difficult and you push the limits you go into this this place of deep practice and you de develop these really cool um, neural pathways where you become, you know, very, uh, very good at certain, certain things. And so um, by going and trying a bunch of different techniques and working on a bunch of different things, I am quite comfortable in the sand. I am one of those who on a second shot, um, I will, you know, I will start it at a sand trap and try to work it off a sand trap 
because if I hit it dead straight and it goes in the sand trap, I'm pretty confident that I'll be able to get it up and down, you know, on a par five and have a really good putt at birdie, right? So, um, and sand really should be that way. Originally, when sand traps were created, if you go back and look into the history of sand traps, they were not perfectly manicured um, sections of a golf course. They were meant to be a hazard and there could be stones and there might be sand in there and dirt and whatever. And you just had to do the best you can, best you could to get out of it. And we've talked a little bit about technology and how it's improved. And technology is a very important part of golf. There was a wedge that came out, I believe, in the 1930s that had a bit of a spoon sort of shape to it. And it, it was very good at um, t- getting a ball out of the sand trap, but they also found out that it was, it was very common for it to have kind of a double hit, which was illegal, you know, back in the day. It isn't now. Maybe we go back to the scoop, scoop wedge, right? And then in 19, what was it, 30, 38, I believe, the modern-day sand wedge kind of came out, and we have basically had something similar Ever since, we've definitely seen some changes in technology and materials and, and stuff like that. But that was, you know, that's kind of the history of it all. And um, anyway, so I wanted to get into this a little bit and how to use the sand wedge and how to and, 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 and discuss a couple of the techniques that people use. First and foremost, this is the technique that seems to be... Um, seems to be taught by most of the club pros out there. I don't know where it necessarily comes from, and I don't know why everybody decided this was the best way to go about playing sand shots, but you've probably all heard it. You open up your stance. uh, You have a wide stance. You kind of dig in about an inch into the ground. You lay the, the, the... the wedge open, right? So I've heard even some of them say, you, you know, you, you could balance the ball on top of the club and then you hit a few inches behind the ball and pop it up and, you know, there you go. And it, it's, a very, um, it's a very imprecise way to play out of the sand because depending on where you enter the sand changes the shot drastically. And because the club is so wide open, depending on how thick and deep and fluffy the sand is you can get a a wide variety of different shots so it's not a technique that I find overly unless you have time to really practice it a lot and practice it in a lot of different types of sands uh, sand types you know whether it's wet whether it's hard pan whether it's super fluffy whether it's super deep it's not really a very good and precise technique because so many different variables can change that so I don't enjoy that I don't enjoy playing that um, version of the sand. It's a, it's a very interesting method. I honestly, I, I can't, for the life of me, and I've looked around, figure out why somebody decided that that was such a great way to hit a sand shot, especially for amateurs. Again, for pros who practice all the time, maybe that works for them. It also creates kind of a slice spin on the ball. If you, hit, if you have a lot of velocity and get down through the sand and get a little bit closer to the ball where there's some friction, when the ball lands, it actually kind of moves sideways. So if you don't really plan for that type of movement and you happen to hit it really well, um, then you may, you know, the ball may be moving away from the hole and it may not be in the best spot to putt from. Or you may hit far enough behind the ball where it doesn't have any friction, but you have aimed, you know, left or right, depending if you're left or right handed. And, but you've hit so far behind the ball that it puts no spin on the ball at all. It's more of a chunk and chunk, 
chunk and run, it landed quite a number of feet either right or left of the hole and then runs out straight. And now you've increased the length of that putt, you know, for par or whatever it is. So I just, I have a really hard time. I, I don't like that technique, especially for amateurs who don't have a lot of time to practice it. It's one that may work very well. And I, I've used it in the past and I've practiced it quite a bit, but it's not one that I find very consistent I will say this too, depending on if you center yourself over your feet and then you swing back, depending on the type of sand and how you're positioned, if your weight, if your back foot sort of slips a little bit or whatever, then you can hit way behind the ball. It's just not a very, you you know, you've tried to balance your weight in between and if one foot slips or the other or your weight shifts more one way or the other and, ah, and there is weight shift in this type of a shot, which then makes the, you know, where the entry point for the sand kind of a moving target. It's a very difficult way to play a sand shot. So I would suggest not playing it that way. Throw it out. Ignore it. Forget about opening your stance and laying the club flat open. It's not a very reliable and efficient technique. Okay? Boom. Throw it away. All right. This technique that I was originally taught from Fred Shoemaker, and then actually read about um, from one Stan Utley in his book, which I love, The Art of the Short Game. Stan has a very cool way of discussing sand shots. He has really cool illustrations in his book. Um, So I saw that Stan had a very similar technique to the one that Fred Shoemaker showed us, which was really awesome. And then also I was reading a Golf Digest article Um, Ricky Fowler's always been quite amazing out of the sand, and he plays a similar technique. And that was kind of like, okay, that's it for me. I've got, you know, the smartest man in golf and Fred Shoemaker saying this is a good way to do it. I've got a guy that I really respect in Stan Utley who's written a book on the short game and really has really cool experiences and is known as a short game wizard and coach. He says this is a good way to do it. And then you've got Ricky Fowler out on tour using this technique. And he is amazing out of the sand. And so, hey, how do you argue with that? I don't know of anybody who has really taught this other, um, you know, this other technique with any degree of expertise. Uh, Because I I think that it's very, the variables in it are so hard to narrow down that nobody can really give you a good, precise strategy for using the you know, the the club face wide open technique. Um, So anyway, so I want to get into a little bit of how I play sand shots now. It's kind of a mixture of all of these different techniques. And all I've tried to do is make it as simple as possible so I can communicate this to my kids. And uh, hopefully they can remember when they get stuck in a sand trap under pressure, then they have this, these very simple steps to think about in order for them to hit a really good sand shot. And again, um, with the way we're now thinking about putting with a 10-foot circle around the hole, it takes a lot of pressure off the sand shot. And then we're going to take a lot of pressure off the sand shot with our technique and hopefully make it all work out, right? If we can get it within five feet of the hole anywhere, because we've been practicing our five-footers so much, we should be able to get up and down out of the sand at least 45% of the time. But I would argue with this technique, coupled with the putting strategy that we talked about, Man, if you could get up to 60-65% out of the sand, 70% out of the sand, that would be pretty cool. And I believe if you mesh these two strategies together, that becomes very possible. Okay, so first thing is we need to figure out the sand. 
when we go into the sand, there's essentially, you've got a hard pan type of a sand where you're not sinking in very much. And, and then once you get to your ball, you'll start moving your feet around to see if you dig in to, to test the consistency of the sand. There'll be hard pan where there's nothing underneath, and there's hard pan where you kind of break f- through and then it's fluffy underneath. That fluffy sand, the, 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 the moisture on top and the fluffy sand underneath, we're going to ignore the, ignore the moisture on top and just worry about the fluffy and treat it like a, a fluffy sand lie, Okay. If it's hard pan, then we've got to be a little bit more careful because we don't have the hard pan sand is very difficult because our margin for air has just shrunk drastically. We're not going to be able to get down underneath the ball and we're not going to be able to compensate um, by increased velocity and, and scooping up underneath the ball, right? So the further you hit behind the ball, the more velocity you can add to the ball, you can still make it go a similar distance. But if you don't have that margin for air, now we've got to make sure that we're very precise where we enter the sand, and it's going to be somewhat closer to the ball, and the closer we get to the ball, the more friction and spin we're gonna put on the ball, so we're actually going to have to calculate that into our shot as well, right? So we gotta get in and first analyze the sand. We're either going to have sort of a hard pan lie, or we're going to have a fluffy, a fluffier lie, and then we can have like super fluffy lies. But if we we typically play those about the same and try to control the depth in which the sand, the uh, the sand, uh, our sand wedge goes through the sand, right? Okay. So there's the first thing is test out to see what kind of sand we have um, that set up, and then we've got to look at how the ball's sitting. It, We'll have a buried lie sometimes if we have a soft sand trap where the ball's entered in directly um, from uh, up above and come in. We might have a, a very impacted buried ball, and then that becomes one technique. Um, it doesn't really change that much, but how deep we go into the sand has to change. Then you've got those where it's kind of half and half, where like half the ball's showing, which proved to be, can prove to be somewhat difficult because we're not exactly sure how the ball is going to come out, but there is ways to play for that. And then we've got the kind where they're just sitting up on the sand and they look great, right? We know we're going to be able to pick them off very well. So let's talk about all of that really quickly, and then we'll get into uphill lies and downhill lies and flat lies, and then we'll be done. Okay. So getting into, if you're coming to a, let's talk about the setup. All the setup for each one of these shots is going to be absolutely identical, okay? You're going to set up basically square. And some people don't like to set up square. I like to even chip and stuff with a slightly open stance. So I have a slightly open stance in the sand trap as well, but not by, not by a whole lot, maybe an inch or so. And if I have to dig deeper into the sand, say for a buried lie, I will actually have um, my right foot back to make sure that I keep all my weight on my left foot because I got to go deep and I got to go fast to get the club underneath the ball and hopefully get it out of a buried lie. So those would be the only variables. If it's a pretty good lie, I just like to be slightly open. Just, but Ricky Fowler and even Stan Utley... And, and Fred Shoemaker even talked about having a perfectly square stance uh, in the sand trap. That's totally great. Now, what's the purpose behind having a perfectly square stance and a club face? The club face is also pretty square, maybe slightly open if that's more comfortable for you. It is for me. I like it just a little bit open. For me, it seems like if it's slightly open, it's going to get into the sand a little bit easier. I don't know why. That's just me. Um, if you find it perfectly square and that works for you, 
then that's great. We are not going to worry about the leading edge of the club necessarily. We're going to change it with how we position the shaft, okay? So square stance is the most simple. That's what I teach the kids. Square stance, all weight on your left foot. And, and, and by weight, I mean pressure, right? Um, you can't, if you, if you look at like a, uh, if, in fact, if you buy Stan Atley's book and you look at some of his photos, you can't, re- it looks like he's got 50-50 weight, but he's got all his pressure, everything on his left, his front side, okay? And that's how it feels. It feels like you're on your left side. Now, Stan Atley does something where he, he puts his left arm down to make sure his, his front arm down towards his knee to make sure his front shoulder is low or something like that. I can't really remember clearly, but he likes to have those shoulders um, square and even that front shoulder slightly down a little bit, again, to foster this, you know, entering in the sand and, and getting into the sand, which is great. I've never really had a problem. I've never really had a problem getting into the sand. So that's not something I've ever really worried about. If if your, if your weight's on your left, if your pressure is on your left side, you will be able to enter the sand pretty easily because it becomes quite a, a steep uh, swing. Okay, so that's it. So weight on, square stance, weight on the left side. Okay, another thing that that weight on the left side promotes is none of the side-to-side motion where the, where the entry point in the sand becomes a moving target. You can get really, really precise where you want that club to enter. And I will literally pick a grain of sand where I want the club to enter and I just stare at that grain of sand throughout the whole, throughout the whole process where I want the club to enter. I just stare at it, stay with the pressure on my left side or front side, excuse me, and then let it happen, right? So the next, th- the next part then becomes, and, and, and I will say this, um, where Tony Finau's recommendation that the sand goes all the way to the pin, that typically works out pretty well if you're going to play a chunk and run shot, and which means approximately one to two inches behind the ball. If you're going to play a spinner, say if you've got a very tight, if you have very little sand and material to work with, you're going to try to hit it closer to, say, half an inch behind the ball, which means there's going to be a great deal of friction, and you aren't going to have to hit it as hard um, because there isn't that cushion between the club face and the ball to make it go as far. So Tony Finau splashing the sand to the pin really only works when you're running more of a more of a bump and run or a chunk and run, as they call it on TV, where you plan the ball to land on the green and then move towards the hole. The cool part about having a square club face is when the ball lands and moves towards the hole, it's going straight at the hole. Or when you pinch it close and put some friction on the ball and it spins, it's not spinning sideways. It's going to spin and stop straight at the hole or even sometimes come back straight at you a little bit. So there have been times when you put it past the hole and it actually comes back towards the hole, which is a cool shot. So square stance, square club face, weight or pressure on your front foot, okay, which promotes a steeper swing. And now the the shaft. The shaft should, and this is something that Fred Shoemaker shared with us, and I thought it was so cool and so brilliant. When you put, when you position the shaft in this, in the sand trap, we want to use the bounce. We want that, we want to utilize the whole bottom flange of that club so it's, so it scoots through the sand smoothly. It doesn't dig too much. And so when we enter the sand behind the ball, it kind of just smoothly goes underneath it, creates a nice little scoop 
and takes the ball out softly within a couple feet and we just go in and tap it in for par, right? Or, or birdie, right, on a par five. So we need to position that club. So when we position our get ready to hit a full iron shot, we always have our hands a little in front, right? With the shaft leaning a little forward, little forward shaft lean. Well, in the sand, we don't want that. We want that shaft to be completely neutral. So now we've got a square club face, but we've got the club face back. That is, that is giving us the opportunity to go into the sand, but also expose, exposing the bounce. So it goes through the sand smoothly. So now we've got our left side. We've got a square stance. We've got um, our weight and pressure on the left side, square club face. And now we've got the shaft 90 degrees to the ground, straight up and down. And that gives us the ability to be very precise where that club enters the sand. Okay, that we get to de- then now we get to determine where we want the ball to land and where we want it to if we want it to release or if we have to hit it close, closer to the, the ball. My personal preference, and again speaking as an amateur who doesn't get a lot of time to practice, I always try to hit an inch to two inches behind the ball. Okay, if the if the um, so if the pin is in the middle of the green or closer, but I have some green to work with, I will hit it two inches behind the ball and try to get the sand all the way to the green. The ball will land out about halfway and then roll out about halfway, which is awesome, right? That's a pretty predictable, easy little shot. Now, if the pin is on the back side of the green, I just hit the same exact velocity I still try to hit the sand to where the pin would be in the middle, and I try to throw the sand to the middle, but I just try to hit the ball, I try to hit one inch closer to the ball, so there's more velocity going through the sand closer to the ball, that sends the ball a little bit further, it lands about now where the pin would be in the middle of the green, and then releases and rolls straight towards the flag that's towards the back of the green, if that makes some sense, okay? So that is taking Tony Finau's throwing the sand to the pin and utilizing it for both pins that are in the middle and pins that are back towards the back of the green. I'll throw the sand either towards the, if it's two inches behind the ball, I'll try to throw the sand to the pin. If I'm an inch behind the ball, I'll still throw the sand to the middle of the green and expect that ball to go twice as far with a chunk and run. Now, if the pin is now, if I don't have a lot of green to work with, now I got to get a little bit tricky and I've got to hit closer to the ball because I need spin on the ball so when it lands somewhere near the pin it has spin and it stops as quickly as it possibly can and that then becomes half an inch half an inch if it's like halfway between the middle of the green and the edge of the green it's about half an inch and then you even have to go a little bit closer if you've short-sighted yourself and it gets to be a little tricky and a little scary if worse comes to worse Go ahead and hit it an inch behind the ball, take the sand, take the sand to the pin, and you will have probably a, a four or five footer coming back towards you to the pin for par. Okay, but definitely make sure you get it to the green. Don't get cute. That's another, th- don't leave it in the sand trap. Make sure you get it out. Make sure we all get it out and have a putt. And if we've been working on our five footers, hopefully it's less than five feet and we'll make it anyway, right? Okay, so hopefully that's, so let's go through it then. We get in the sand and we test the sand. If it's a soft, if it's soft and we've got enough green to work with, we're going to hit two inches behind the ball. If it's in the middle of the green, if it's further beyond the middle of the green, then we're going to hit an inch behind the ball and we're going to play what they call on TV a chunk and run. The ball's going to land and it's going to release. If the pin is 
is from the middle, say the middle third closest to you, then we're going to have to pinch it a little bit closer, use the friction to create spin, and that's going to be half an inch or so, and, um, and then pinch it, try to get it to stop somewhere around it. If the pin is even closer than that, just make sure you get it out on the green and have a five-footer coming back and try to make that putt. If you've short-sighted yourself, that's a situation where we kind of have to just take our medicine and go with it. But make sure we get it on the green and we have a putt at it. Um, and that's really it. So square stance, most of your weight and pressure on, on your front foot, uh, square, everything square, stance, hips, shoulders, slightly open if you want, um, club, square, slightly open if you want, barely open if you want. The shaft needs to be 90 degrees to the ground, straight up and down, exposing the bounce so it goes smoothly through the sand. That's the way, it doesn't matter how fluffy the sand is, as long as we are dug in to the same rate of about an inch and we are positioned ourselves on our front foot, we can be very precise even in soft sand where we don't go all the way to the bottom. We're controlling the depth of, of our sand wedge. Um, now getting back to um, a hard pan lie where we don't have a choice but to hit it within a half inch or closer because we just don't have any margin for error. There's just not a lot of sand in the sand traps. It's frustrating, but on a lot of municipal golf courses, that's just the way it is. Well, you're just gonna have to learn, we just have to start learning to play a lot of spin, right? Now, we don't have to hit it as hard because we're not taking as much sand. So for example, it's, it's roughly about, if you take a half an inch, if you take a half an inch of sand or less, it's like it'll go about the same distance as if you hit an inch behind it, but it will just land there and stop. Okay, so you play with that and work with that. But when you take less sand, you're going to spin the ball. The cool thing about it is it's going to spin straight back at you. So you don't have to line up way left or way right and then happen to hit a chunk and run by accident and, and just have this, you know, 20-foot putt for par. It will go straight at the pin. You can line straight up the pin. If it breaks a little bit, you can go, you know, a half an inch. You can go a half a foot right or left or whatever if you want to break it in. But uh, in this manner... You can get it close that way. I love to play chunk and runs because there is more margin for error. If I hit it between an inch and two inches, a little more velocity usually gets it done. And the ball is always moving towards the hole. I've made a lot more sand traps from a chunk and run than I've ever made from trying to pinch it and spin it. Chunk and runs, man, they're moving at a good pace. They roll towards the hole. They fall in. Um, if you're trying to make a sand shot and you have the green to work with, don't get cutesy and play the spinner. Always play the chuck and run and try to have it run out and drop in the hole. It's the, and, and, and watch the ball. Here's a whole nother thing. If you chunk and run it, you get to watch the ball move towards the hole and watch the break. So if it doesn't go in, you know what the green's going to do, and it's very easy for you to make the next, the next putt. If you always spin it all the way to the hole, you never have an idea, you never have a really good read on what the ball's going to do around the hole. You've got to go and make a read, and if you've got nobody else playing, if you're not playing with anybody else and don't get to see how their balls react around the hole, now you've kind of done yourself a disservice. So I only use the spinner um, really close to the ball in friction if it's... if, if I really have no other choice. There's no sand in the bunker or I've short-sighted myself and I've got to try to stop it as quickly as possible. 
So hopefully that is helpful to you, a little strategy. Always hard to kind of do these things on a podcast because we don't have a lot of video and things that we can share. But hopefully I've explained it in a manner that's helpful to you. Any questions would be very welcomed. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, also on YouTube. All of these make it up to YouTube in podcast form. Anywhere you leave comments, I am alerted and we'll be able to get back with you. You can also use our email address, dataaccessgolf at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Aaron Stewart saying, better data always means better golf and be fantastic out there. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com and we'll see you on the next episode.